So again, good evening. I want to welcome everybody here and uh, tell you to just stop. Just stop. Sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes we just need to stop what we're doing and evaluate ourselves. Stop believing what Satan and the world tells us. Satan would love to deceive us and have us dancing at the end of his strings, just like in this picture. And it mentions Revelation 12, chapter 12, verse 9. Stop being afraid of the world's prophecies. If you look at this guy, it's a crazy looking guy, I know. But on the left-hand side, he's got his sign, the end is nigh. And the date there, December 21st, 2012, well, that was when the world ended, and somehow we missed it. That was when the Mayan calendar said that the world came to the end, came to an end. So, you know, like his other sign says, doomsday prophecies abound. But what should Christians believe? Well, we should believe God's word, right? If we look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20 through 22, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods. A lot of these predictions and prophecies aren't from God anyway. They're from the world. They are from other gods or other sources. That prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, which means arrogantly full of their own self-pride and knowledge. You should not be afraid of him. And I would also say you should not be afraid of his prediction of his words. We've uh, experienced a number of different prophecies just, just in my lifetime alone. Uh, one was the ice age that we were supposed to be experiencing right now. We should all be living at the equator if we survived to get there. That was just one of those predictions back in the 70s. So what else does God say? Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 through 22 then Noah, now this is after they came out of the ark, okay? This is after the flood. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now, Peter and Revelation does say that the earth will pass away and be replaced at some point, but until then, God's word stands. Switching gears a little bit, stop being afraid to share the gospel. You know, sometimes we worry about how someone's going to react. Maybe you've not experienced this. I personally, I believe I probably have at some point in my life where you're just a little bit afraid maybe to speak to someone you think they're going to have a, a bad, contentious reaction. But if we look at Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 through 13, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I am the Lord your God. No, I'm sorry. I misread that. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Stop letting Satan tell you that Christians are so few and outnumbered in the world. Stop feeling so alone. This just adds to the general fear that some people feel. There's like 7.8 billion people in the world, right? That's a lot of people. And a little over 30% of them, which is about, well, which is over 2 billion people, claim to be a Christian. Now realize when we claim to be a Christian, we are saying that we believe in Jesus as the Christ. And what does the Bible say? 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And what did Jesus say? Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. When we say we are a Christian, we are claiming that we believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Now, none of us are claiming to be perfect. We're not perfect, and we don't know 100% of everything, and we've not got everything 100% right in our lives. So we should not really expect that others that claim to be Christians would have that 100% met either. But let's realize that we're not alone as the, or as outnumbered as the devil would have us think. Stop letting Satan cause division in the body of Christ. Just admit it, we all have a little Pharisee and maybe a little hypocrite in us. The disciples did too. If you look at Luke chapter 9, verses 49 and 50, Now John answered and said, Master, speaking to Jesus, of course, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. We want to stop getting caught up in human labels. When it comes to Christians, we will know them by their works, right? Mark chapter 9, verse 41, this is the Lord speaking, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And we want to remember what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 36. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. By the way, you want to be a sheep, you want to be on the right hand. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, 
and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. In other words, they acted out on their faith and their belief and their love in God, out of God's love. And that brings us to stop being afraid to help others. We sometimes make excuses to not help others. If we look at uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, Jesus again, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So the man answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the man, wanting to justify himself, wanting to perhaps um, you know, make an allowance for not really helping everyone and sort of puffing himself up and making uh, out like uh, he was justified in maybe not helping certain people. But to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. We know that parable. The priest and the Levite both go by on the other side of the road, ignoring the man who has been robbed and beaten, and basically, you know, avoiding him. And then the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, comes along and helps the man and even gets him to an inn. He does more than just help him immediately. He helps get him to an inn and offers to pay anything that is owed upon his return later. So Jesus tells that parable. And then the next verses, Luke 10, 36 and 37, he responds back to the man. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the man said, he who showed mercy on him. Notice he didn't even say the Samaritan. Our first thought would be to say the Samaritan, but they looked down on the Samaritans. They didn't think a lot of the Samaritans. Those people were lesser impure. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. And it is kind of ironic that we all associate being a good Samaritan with helping others if you think about the way they thought of Samaritans. Stop being hard-hearted. Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and re to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Stop being selfish. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's 
in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything is God's, and he shares that with us. We should do the same. If we look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, that's Jesus' name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So here are the two, or are two, sacrifices that God is well pleased by. That is praise to God and doing good and sharing. We should be thankful and sharing and thankful and praising God as we share with others because everything we have comes from God, the Father. On the other hand, we need to stop focusing on wealth. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 15, Then one from the crowd said to him, People are always testing Jesus. I'm sure you all noticed that. and It's nothing new, right? Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And to me, I use this little picture here because I feel like that guy, whoever that is, is just drowning. They're just drowning in too much abundance and stuff they don't know what to do with. And so they're just reaching up for, for help, you know? Still, if we continue down this chapter in the next verses, then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is purely an example of someone hoarding up more and not sharing in their abundance. But we should not envy the rich. We should be content with what we have. If we look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 24, and again, this is the Lord speaking, and again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This doesn't sound very good to me, and that picture, I don't know how realistic that is. I think they're using a giant needle, and they've shrunk the camel way down. So it's kind of not fair. They're kind of cheating. Regardless, the Lord tells us further in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing in this world, and it is certain we can carry we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. The answer is right there in that last verse. Stop focusing on this life. Do not love, this is 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Focus on God and the Lord, then this life is better. I know it sounds kind of nonsensical, but it's about priorities. If we prioritize God, then we will live this life correctly and we will be blessed. Or, in other words, stop worrying and seek the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. Then, this is the Lord speaking again. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And notice that, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He is pleased to supply us, to supply our need, to give to us, and to give us the kingdom of heaven also. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that is possibly the biggest main point of this. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. So that's what we want to focus on. Stop believing in the world's nonsense. It's a little bit of a change again. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, we hear a lot of different ideas and things from the world and from the people that are in the world. We want to make sure that we are following God. 
By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Stop putting up idols. Instead, if you want to put something up, put up, you know, scripture, put up God's word. New age rocks and crystals. A lot of people are into those things nowadays, and that's not going to save us. That's not going to get us anywhere. Uh, but if we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, we can take some advice from God. This is verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, you're putting scripture up around where you can see it, where it reminds you. The doorposts and the gates, you're going to be coming in and out. You're going to see that. It's going to remind you. That's the idea there. Okay, stop letting the world teach you about Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. They don't know anything about it from what I can tell. Celebrate Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter. Don't buy the nonsense that we should not celebrate these things. Even if God used people who were maybe not the most savory, they are still good things. And if we think of the unjust steward, you can kind of see where I'm coming at with this. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. This is the first part of that. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account, give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. He's like me. He's been at a desk for years. It's like, no, I can't get out and be digging ditches, man. Anyway, I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. And we'll see who the they are in just a second. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. 
So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly, not because what he did was good, but because he was clever. I'll read the rest of the verse. For the sons of this world are more shrewd or clever in their generation than the sons of light. He wasn't being praised for the wrong things he did, but instead he was being praised for being smart enough to take advantage of the opportunity, using the opportunity he had. That's Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. These are three times a year the world expects to hear about God and Jesus. They expect to hear how thankful we are. We need to take advantage of the opportunity. Talk about being blessed by God, by being thankful. Thank God for the birth of Jesus. Yeah, we don't know what day it was. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Could have been any day. Praise the Lord for his sacrifice when you think of Easter, for going to the cross and rising again and defeating evil. That's what they need to hear at those times because that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's the main point of those holidays anyway, is to celebrate these things, but also to give other people a chance to hear and know about them. So let the world hear about it. Take advantage of the opportunity. God created and ordained these holidays for us, no matter who he used to establish them. James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We need to stop giving up, be consistent and persistent in prayer. Luke 11, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now it came to pass as... The Lord was praying, Jesus was praying, in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples came to him. Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, Jesus' example of a prayer, you notice, is not very long. He's teaching quality over quantity, I believe. Anyway, as we continue, he talks more about prayer. Verse 5 through 8, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. If he just keeps standing there beating on that door, eventually you're going to get up and give him whatever and send him on his way. Or you might call the cops nowadays. It's up to you, I guess. So if we continue, though, with the Lord, if we continue with God and trust him and keep coming to him, he will come through for us. 
Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, we're continuing on. The Lord is continuing on. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, heaven, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Our Father knows what is best for us, and he will only give us those things. But we want to look back at verse 10 for a minute. This is an ongoing relationship of seeking, asking, knocking, going to God daily, all the time, really. just This is just a continual relationship, going to him, seeking him, speaking to him, confiding in him. Stop ignoring God. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 31 and 32. O generation, see the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of darkness? Why do my people say, we are lords, we will come no more to you? Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. The Lord is wanting that relationship. We need to stop being proud and thinking we can do it ourselves. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Stop despising wisdom and knowledge. If we look at Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 7, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we need his wisdom, if we seek his wisdom, he will give it. We just need to put in the effort, that little bit of effort. He's given that to us in the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And we need to be like this scholarly owl. We need to be reading and studying our Bible and asking God for wisdom, and he will, he will provide it for us. The solution to all these things and everything else in life, really, is the Lord and, and, the, and His Word. 
Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Paul is speaking of God there because God is our source for all things, the reason we exist, the reason for everything. And in the next two verses, Romans 12, chapter 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the therefore being because God is our source of everything, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the newing, renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And finally, stop delaying, stop denying God. We have this time now, today, if anyone, if anyone needs to come to God for any reason. Jesus has already paid the price for everything for us, for his forgiveness. The Lord is always saying, you know, come to me and I will give you rest from this stressful world. We can find peace and rest in his word. If we look at Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, I will both lie down in, in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So you can become a child of God, or you can return home if you've strayed. God is waiting and watching for you with open arms. If anyone has any need this evening, please come forward as we stand and sing.